The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 43. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. And then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants, who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. In 1923, a friendship began between a professor named Professor Weno of the University of Tokyo and the young Hachiko. Every day, Hachiko would accompany his friend, the professor, to the train station before he went to work. And at night, the professor would return on the train and there would be Hachiko waiting for him to walk back home with him. The two did this Every day for two years, they were inseparable friends. But one day, the professor didn't come home. In fact, he had died suddenly at work. But nobody told Hachiko. And Hachiko was still there that night, waiting for his friend, the professor, to come home on the train. He did this every day, waiting in the night for his friend to come home. For ten years, He did this. And the people at the station, they began to notice. So they would bring him food and water while he waited. And they would give him a place to sleep if he was too tired to go back home. For 10 years, Hachiko waited for his friend. So when he died in 1935, the people at the station built a statue to honor the great loyalty and patience of Hachiko. How can we understand that level of patience? It's ridiculous to us. Well, there's an easy explanation, actually. Hachiko was a dog. And the professor was his owner. So Hachiko probably didn't understand that his owner, the professor, would never come home. Still, 
this level of patience is amazing. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to us. We see an even greater level of patience today in our lesson. We see God's patience. We see God's patience displayed in this parable of the vineyard. He's patient, relentlessly so, for the stubborn sinners of this world, for those who marvel at his gift of grace and for fruits of faith. Before we go any further, we need to go back to the story and break down what, what just happened here. It starts with a landowner and a piece of land. And he wants to build a vineyard, so he does all that's necessary to make it the perfect vineyard. Right? He builds a wall so offended. He builds a watchtower so that it can stay safe. And he builds a wine press so that he can make the wine. All he needs now is a group of people who will work the land and give him back some of the fruits in harvest time. So he does just that. He gives it to a group of tenant farmers and he goes away. Harvest time comes. So he sends a group of servants to collect what's owed him, part of the fruits. And they beat, mock, and kill this group of servants. Now you might expect the police to be the next thing coming down that path, to come and arrest them, right? But no, all we see coming down the path is another group of servants. Of course, no surprise to us, more problems. The same thing happens to this group of servants. So now the, the next thing you might expect is an army coming down the path to kill these wicked farmers. Who do they think they are? But no, Jesus tells us something else happened. The owner saw what happened and he said, oh, they'll respect my son. I'll send him. But these wicked, wicked servants, these, these farmers, they see the son as an opportunity to seize all of the property for themselves. They're looking for their own interests. They're still stuck in their ways. They're stubborn. They're prideful. They don't honor the son. Harvest time comes and we see the nature of these farmers. They're serial killers. Stubborn at heart. Without empathy. And they don't care about the consequences of their actions. We also see the nature of this landowner. He is ridiculously patient. He is relentlessly patient. Now we know that parables have a meaning for people on earth too. Jesus makes it pretty clear in this story and also in our reading from Isaiah that the owner is God and the farmers, those wicked farmers, are the leaders of Israel, the Pharisees. Historically, we can look back. Yes, the Pharisees rejected the news of Christ. They rejected God's representatives that were sent to tell about him and they worked to serve their own interests. They refused to change their ways. They refused to listen to the message of Christ. And they built themselves up in the community of Israel as these amazing spiritual leaders. Right? Perfect teachers. Always ready to answer. They built themselves up as people ready to take over the vineyard for themselves. They did not respect God's representatives when they were sent. They met them with stones and mocking. So it's no surprise that when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, they killed him too. Now put yourself in that room for a second where Jesus is saying all of this. It's pretty obvious at this point to those in the room that the Pharisees are the target of this parable. 
But there are other people in that room too. There's disciples and we're there as listeners of the word of God. Thousands of years in the future, we're in this room too. So how do we fit in the story? Well, we're not the Pharisees. We didn't drag Jesus out of Jerusalem, beat him, and kill him. But the same heart of those Pharisees, the sinful heart, the stubborn heart that sought its own interests, it still beats in our chests today. Do we always respect God's Son with our words and actions? Or do we respect our own sinful desires when we're tempted? That pharisaical heart beats within us. The same heart that sought its own interests and stubbornly disrespected Christ. We didn't drag Jesus to his death, but our sins, no matter how we justify them in our own eyes, no matter how small we make them look, those sins still weighed upon Jesus' dying frame as it hung, nailed to a cross. So why does God keep sending servants? Why doesn't he send an army to destroy us? Because he's relentlessly patient for stubborn sinners like you and me. Think about it this way. If Achiko the dog had known that his owner was dead, would he have waited for 10 years every night at that train? Probably not. I don't think we would either. But God does know our hearts. He knows that we're dead, dead in sin. But he waits every single day for an entire lifetime for us to turn from sin and honor him. He sends new opportunities to do the right thing and turn from sin. He sends opportunities to hear the word in the words of the Bible and on the lips of Christians. He never gives up on us. He is relentlessly patient for the stubborn sinners of this world. But his patience doesn't just stop there. We know that the Pharisees ultimately didn't learn their lesson. They confirm this in verse 41. They talk about themselves. They say, the owner will bring those wretches to a wretched end. But then they keep going. And the owner will rent out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. So in the aftermath of spelling out their own destruction, the Pharisees accidentally unveil an important truth for God's people, right? After Israel denied Christ, disrespected him, killed him, God didn't crumple up the plan of salvation and throw it away. He gave it to people who would respect his son, Jesus. He verifies this in Psalm 118 when he quotes, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. When Israel killed Jesus, that wasn't the end. God says he built up his kingdom on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And so those who are built up in Christ, Christians, us, we're the new tenants of his vineyard. The Lord has done this for us, and it is marvelous in our eyes. When is the last time that you marveled at something? Truly marveled? I think the last time for me was when my family and I went to go visit the World Trade Center memorials. We had heard a lot about the one World Trade Center, how it was this huge building, we had to see it. But that day it was super rainy and incredibly foggy and we couldn't see anything. 
So we gave up. We went into the museum and we spent hours there. And we came out and it was nighttime. Well, we started walking back to the car and I remembered, oh, we never saw the One World Trade Center. I wonder where it is. So I looked up to see if the clouds had gone away a little bit and there it was. This massive building lit up, reaching into the heavens, on and on. That was marveling. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I could not forget what I had just seen. As we walked back to the car, I had to pay attention to where I was going because I just wanted to look up at this tower into the heavens. That is us as Christians. We marvel at God's great gift of grace for us. We can't look away. We can't forget it. He has done this amazing thing for us. We marvel at how God put together this perfect kingdom of heaven for us with all the necessary pieces. We marvel at his amazing gift of grace and love and patience. That he would keep sending opportunities for us to turn away from sin and honor him. Even when our eyes lose sight of God's gift and we look back down to the things of this earth, God is relentlessly patient for those who marvel at his gift of grace. Maybe we should stop too and appreciate the magnitude of this patience, right? Jesus didn't come to earth to find the most faithful believers, the strongest Christians. He came to earth to call the worst sinners. He called people in the Bible who were in multiple relationships, who were tax collectors, who cheated people out of their money, people who couldn't control how much they drank. God called these people from their sin. He didn't brush their sin under the rug. He waited for their faith to come to fruition. Because of the depths of his grace, those, those sinners repented and followed Jesus. Those people who were called from their sin to follow God, they left their sin behind and they joined the rest of the workers in the vineyard. They joined the rest of the people marveling at God's gift of grace. The old vineyard belonged to Israel. But now it belongs to all those who come to marvel at God's gift of grace, who come to work in the vineyard and produce its fruit. He's forgiving the missteps of his workers and waiting for more workers to come because he is relentlessly patient. So now that you recognize the new role that you've been given, you're all workers in the vineyard, congratulations, I think it's only fair that we see what Jesus wants us to do. He says in his word, the kingdom of God will be given to a people who will produce its fruit. Now I think anyone who has gardened can tell you that you can't just plant the seeds in the ground and then walk away and expect a great harvest of fruit. No. Sometimes you have to baby those seeds. You have to meticulously care for them, water them, prune them, just to keep them alive, much less get fruit out of them. It's the same thing for Christians in God's vineyard. We have a daily duty to work for God, to work to produce these fruits of, of faith. And it's something we do out of love and joy. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul describes the fruit of faith. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Now, if this long list overwhelms you a little bit, or maybe you can't think of the last time that you produced one of these fruits for God or even for another person, it's okay. Focus on one of the fruits and carry them with you into your week. Patience. We talked all sermon long about patience, God's relentless patience for the stubborn sinners, for those who marvel at his grace, and for fruits of faith now. It's true. We should recognize that that sinful heart beats within us. It makes us stubborn to God's word, even while we marvel at this amazing gift of grace. But God doesn't give up. He's patient and he waits for us. When we fail to produce fruits of faith, God doesn't kick us out of the vineyard. He loves us and he's relentlessly patient. Let your fruit of faith this week be patience for yourself and for others. Remember that you are forgiven, redeemed, bought with the blood of Christ. You are loved. The Lord has done this for us and it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. Amen.